for your presence. We thank you, God, that you are always here, that you are always with us. God, I pray that you would make us aware of that reality. I pray that you would make us aware of the truth that you are with us, that you love us, that you want us, that you want relationship with us. You want us to know you. God, I pray that you would grow us in these next three weeks. I pray that you would clean our hearts, that you would clean our minds, that you would give us joy in our salvation, that you would help, you would sustain us, God, that you would give direction, that you would give wisdom. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would make us one with you, that you would draw us to you like this church has never been one with you before. I pray that you would unite us as a family, God. Give us a hunger for you over these next few weeks. One that doesn't just last for these few weeks, but takes us into the rest of the year. We praise you for all that you are, and you are worthy of more worship than we can give you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Today we're going to be starting a series called Teach Me to Pray. Uh, We always talk about prayer the first month of the year as we do this 21 days. Um, And so doing it a little bit different, um, Pastor Mark, who is our senior pastor over all of New Life, he's going to be giving a message to all of our locations. And so we're going to be listening to him uh, through the screen. So look up here. Hey, good morning, New Life Community Church. Welcome to the second Sunday in 2023. Well, I'm so excited to come to you today on this second Sunday because not only is it Sunday number two, but it's also our kickoff Sunday for our season of fasting and prayer. And I'm glad that you're here and participating in it. We have people from all over Chicagoland, and actually we have some of our locations joining us internationally as well. Because we're going to name off the locations, because some of you, you gather in your neighborhood on a regular basis, but you're not aware that there are people that are part of the same church, listening to the, a message on the same text, flowing in the same spirit, excited about the same vision, worshiping the same Jesus. Let me just introduce the locations that are represented today. I'm going to read them in alphabetical order. We have Albany Park and Berwyn, and we have a location in Blue Island and in Bridgeport and in Brighton Park, and yes, Brookfield and Cicero, East Humboldt Park, Elgin, Hammond, Hobart, Homer Glen. Humboldt Park, Lincoln Park, Little Village Lawndale, Melrose Park, Midway, Montclair, Montgomery, Norridge, Norwood Park, Oak Forest, Oak Lawn, Rogers Park, Villa Park, and yes, West Lakeview. Can we give it up for all those locations gathering today, worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords under one banner, worshiping Jesus? But we also have, yeah, thanks for the applause. But we also have some international locations as well. Uh, We have uh, nine congregations internationally that we have helped plant and work with and oversee. And that is in Querétaro, Mexico. We have three. We have a congregation that meets in Santander and in Bilbao, uh, Lima, Peru, Osorno, Chile, Havana, Cuba, and Matagalpa, Nicaragua. 
Yeah, so I hope you're excited about gathering together, and this is a movement church, but let me also say that we have another location that's about to be birthed in the first quarter of this year, probably towards February, March. We have JC and Myra Rojas that will be helping to restart, relaunch New Life East Side, which is on Chicago's East Side on 107th Street, and they will be starting very soon. So could we give it up for JC and Myra and the congregation that's going to be started, yeah, on the East Side of Chicago? Please pray for them. And if you have any relatives or family members that live in that area, please let them know about it. I'd like to pray. I'd like to consecrate this time that we have together. So, Father, I thank you for the pastors, the elders, the worship teams, the small group leaders, the Sunday school teachers, the mentors, the disciplers, the tech team. I thank you for the women, the men and women that uh, pray and intercede, those that take care of buildings and input data into computers, the greeters, the ushers. Thank you for this church, God, made up of people from so many different backgrounds that have chosen to follow you in this great metropolis and beyond. We thank you, God, that you are doing something extraordinary at New Life Community Church. And we pray, God, that our hearts would be in a disposition of humility and dependence upon you so that we can see extraordinary things in the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would much rather be joining you in person, but uh, this is the best way to communicate with all of New Life at this time. And so uh, the pastoral team felt like it was important to, on this first day of our fast, as we consecrate our fast, they felt that it was important for us to all be on the same page together, starting the fast together, and uh, on the same page as we enter these 21 days of fasting and prayer. There are so many reasons that I'm excited to be a part of this church. And for those of you that are new here, you may not fully understand what this church is and how we function, but let me just say that we meet at 27 locations, as you've heard, in Chicagoland, nine overseas, so there's 36 locations uh, we are a family of churches. On Sunday, we gather in person about 5,000 here in Chicagoland in various places. We minister to several more thousand during the week in various ministries that we have. We have 40 worship services. Most of them in our, are in English, but we have about eight or so that are in Spanish, one that is in Mandarin as well. Uh, we are we coach, we're involved, our family of international churches uh, meet as well, primarily in Spanish at this time. Uh, during the pandemic, we've also committed to meet the needs of our city. Uh, we fed over 2.5 million people 
through our food distribution in a partnership with the Chicago Food Depository, mobilize volunteers to minister. Recently, by the way, our church has also been meeting the needs of some of our Venezuelan uh, migrants to the city. And just want to, can we give it up for the those locations that have opened up their uh, buildings and have fed and clothed and got coats and boots and ministered? We I just... Uh, last Sunday, there were seven Venezuelans that were a part of the migrants that have come to Chicago that were baptized in our Spanish service. And I was fighting back tears as I heard the story of them giving their lives to Jesus and this church loving them into a relationship with Christ. Do you know that over the last 10 years, we have baptized 3,611 people. These are people that have come to Christ, that we have mentored, and that we have baptized at this church. That's not counting the international baptisms. That's about 350 people a year that are, being, that are coming to Christ, that are being baptized as we seek to be a church that reaches deep into the places where other people aren't reaching and tries to bring the gospel of Jesus. And some of you know this, but literally messages that have been preached here at New Life Community Church via the radio and via the internet, we literally reach millions of people now. Uh, in our partnership with Moody Radio, we're being broadcast in Africa, Nigeria, uh, Singapore, Malawi, all over the United States of America. So I thank God that he's opened up incredible doors for this church that started up 44th and Polina with 18 people and got on our knees and said, Lord, we don't have a lot, but what we have, we consecrate to you, Lord. So use us to impact people. The engine of this church has always been revved by prayer and intensified through fasting. We learned early on at this church that we desperately, desperately need God. We learned early on God had to humble us and bring us to our knees as we discovered that we in our own power could not sustain this ministry meet the needs of our community, or even live out our Christian experience without the supernatural hand of God. And so we prayed intensely, and then God started showing us the power of fasting that intensifies our prayer. And so today, we consecrate together a 21-day fast. Uh, all over new life, we will, we will be starting today we will go for 21 days. Uh, we will be engaged in different sorts of fasting. Again, this is not a force fast. This is not a legalistic fast. This is an invitation that we're giving to thousands of people that are part of New Life to consecrate the next 21 days for a season of prayer and engage in fasting. You say, well, what is fasting? Fasting is the voluntary abstinence from food for a designated period of time in order to seek God in a more intense way. Fasting does not, it's not penance. It's not, God, I'm going to give up 
a Big Mac so that I can have more of your grace, or we're going to make a deal here. If I give up three meals, you'll answer my prayer. That's not what fasting is. Uh, fasting intensifies our hunger and our desire for God. It reminds us that we're in a period of seeking God together. And I believe that there are major, major breakthroughs that happen in our lives personally and in our church corporately when we fast and we pray. So I want you to take your Bibles today and I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 21 of 1 Kings chapter 19 as we prepare and inspire you and invite you to participate corporately in the season of fasting and prayer. How many of you have been involved already in a season of fasting and prayer at New Life? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, I know that it's not easy, and there's a mixed emotion as you approach this time. Part of it's excitement about what God is going to do, but the other part is actually, I know for me, it's a dread like, oh no, my body fights it. I know I'm going to be hungry. I don't want to give up food, and uh, I know it's going to be tough, so I have mixed emotions, one of excitement but my flesh dreads it. As we look at this season of fasting and prayer, I want to prepare you by reminding you that this is a season of pause. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is the pause out of 1 Kings chapter 19. If you look at scripture, you'll discover that fasting is interwoven all throughout Scripture. I've just highlighted a couple of passages. For example, Moses fasted 40 days in preparation to receive the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 34. Daniel fasted three weeks before receiving the vision in Daniel chapter 10. Nehemiah fasted and prayed before he set out to rebuild the broken down walls of Jerusalem that they rebuilt in 52 days, what they had not been able to do in 70 years because of the power of fasting and prayer. That's Nehemiah chapter one, verse four. The prophet Joel blew the trumpet and called for a fast for spiritual renewal in Joel chapter two. King Jehoshaphat was overwhelmed by the odds of an army coming against him and so he called a fast when he was faced with a major battle and seriously outnumbered. That's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jesus, before he started his ministry, his compelling ministry at the age of 30, to mark the change of season and to start his public ministry, he fasted for 40 days. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 as well. The early church, by the way, before they launched into a season of church planting, they fasted in Acts chapter 13. We at New Life, as we enter into this new year and consecrate it before God, we also are choosing to fast and pray. There's a compelling figure in the Old Testament by the name of Elijah. Elijah fasted 40 days at a critical season of his, uh, of his ministry. 
And we find a story in 1 Kings chapter 19. I don't have time to get into the background of all that Elijah was going through. But he was a powerful, compelling, iconic figure. God used him in powerful ways, but he had reached a very discouraging, difficult season of his life. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was so depleted and discouraged that he actually asked God to take his life. He had suicidal thoughts. The Spirit of God supernaturally gave him a meal, and then he, for 40 days he didn't eat until he reached a place, a cave, on the famous mountain of God, and he went into that cave, and that's where I want to pick up our story, because I believe that fasting involves a pause, and I believe there's something powerful that happens in the pause. You can't fast and run at the same rhythm that your life has been running right now. Well, I know you can't just take three weeks off of work, and I know that you can't just bail out of school, but there is a change of schedule. There is a mental pause, a spiritual pause. There is a change of rhythm in order to make the most of this fast. And so I want to talk to you about what that pause may look like for you. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. The pause helps us examine our hearts and open our eyes to spiritual reality. My, my friend Pete Gregg, who started 24-7 prayer, he says, to start, we must stop. To move forward, we must pause. This is the first step in a deeper prayer life. I like that. To start, yeah, we must pause or stop. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you look at verse 9, it says, Elijah's in a cave. His life is on pause. He's isolated. He's fasting. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I can already hear it in his voice. You see, during this pause, God asked him a very important question. What are you doing here? Now, when God asks you a question, you need to understand he's the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient God of the universe. He knows everything. So when God asks you a question, it's not like he doesn't know the answer. He's asking you a question for you to self-examine. Elijah was in a moment of pause and God was saying, Elijah, you're at a place of defeat, suicidal, you're in a bad stage of life. How did you get here, Elijah? Think about how did you end up in the cave? And Elijah goes on and tells him his narrative. 
He feels like he's been faithful, but life has been tough. They're trying to kill him. There's no one else that's left that really want to follow God. He expected revival to happen, but it didn't happen. And so he's a place where his expectations have been busted, not met. He's at a place of difficult discouragement of transition. So I want you to remember this, that when we pause to fast, it's a time where God Well, God helps us examine our hearts and open up our eyes to spiritual reality. You know that sometimes the reality that we have embraced is not the true reality. Uh, Sometimes we have a distorted version of reality. We don't see things like God sees things. We have allowed our flesh and our discouragement or our distortion to create a narrative that's really not God's narrative. And I believe that fasting and prayer puts our life on pause to examine our narrative and to get us on track as God examines our heart and starts to bring out his reality. Uh, I love what Psalms chapter 37 verse 7 says. It says, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Be still. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to be still. I love what Psalms 46 verse 10 says. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored in every nation. I would be honored through the world. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to be still. I'm challenging you as we start this season of fasting and prayer that you would carve out times to pause and be still before the Lord. Yeah, I mean, be still. Not asking, not talking, just being still before the Lord in reflective meditation, in acknowledgement that God is in control, in listening to the Bible in the background, but just pause, be still, and acknowledge that he is God. There's something powerful about the pause. Now, the pause doesn't mean that you completely check out, but rather that you press a pause in one area of your life so you can fully attend to another area in your life. You know, there are times when my wife and I are watching um, something on the television and, um, you know, she'll say, hey, hey, uh, let let me tell you about this. Could you put that on pause? And I'll get back to it, but I'm putting it on pause because the voices on that screen are a distraction from me hearing what my wife is trying to tell me. So in order to give her full attention, I put whatever's on screen on pause, I mute it so that my attention can be fully, fully focused on what my wife is trying to tell me. As we enter into the season of fasting and prayer, we're doing the same thing. We are pausing so that we can fully focus on God. You see, Elijah had a wrong perspective. In fact, later on, he thinks he's the only one. No one else is left. And in verse 18, God tells him that 7,000 other Israelites whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, he had a wrong perspective. Number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down. The pause not only helps open our eyes to spiritual reality, but the pause 
aligns our hearts, it aligns our hearts so that we hear the still small voice that we so often miss. The pause helps us hear the voice that sometimes we're missing. Notice as Elijah is in the cave, the Lord says to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. God was seeking to accelerate a God encounter with Elijah. Elijah needed to, in this pause, he needed to have a fresh encounter with God. So it tells us then, a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now here's what I want you to note. I want you to note that God was not in the powerful wind or tornado. He wasn't in the earthquake that seemed dramatic and shattering. He wasn't in the fire that swooped through that place. God was in the small, still whisper. You know, there's three Hebrew words in this passage used to describe that. One means silent whisper. Doc means fine or minuscule. And kol means sound of a voice. So, the description of this whisper is, it's a calm, quiet. It's fine and minuscule, but it's also a voice. It's a whisper. Do you know that so oftentimes we're waiting for the dramatic to happen and we miss the whisper of God? In fact, in my experience, God typically speaks to us through a whisper. And in my experience, I believe that God is always seeking to get our attention and speaking to us. Sometimes it's the fire and the earthquake and the dramatic that gets our attention, but it's the whisper that speaks our name, that speaks to our heart. I believe that Elijah was shaken up by the earthquake and shaken up by the tornado and shaken up by the fire. I mean, he's attention. His heart is beating. There's adrenaline. But it's the whisper. It's the whisper. Wherein lies the voice of God? You know, I think that so many times we don't hear God, not because God isn't speaking. I believe that God is continually speaking to our lives through his Holy Spirit. I believe that God is whispering, speaking, 
uh, instructing, encouraging. The Holy Spirit is constantly coaching. He's the paraclete. He's the coach that comes alongside us. I can't imagine a coach that's not speaking. I can't imagine a trainer that's not speaking into our lives. I can't imagine a father that's not speaking into his children. The problem isn't that God doesn't speak. The problem is that we so often do not listen. I've told some of you this story before, but I was speaking at an event in northern Spain a few years back, and I had been invited to this event, which was a little bit unusual because it was actually a Catholic gathering made up of primarily priests and nuns and vicars, and they had invited me to speak to it. And the person that invited me, I said, are you sure they know who I am and they want me to come and speak to this? And his life had really been touched by some of my ministry. And he said, they really need to hear what you have to say. So I went reluctantly, not knowing exactly how I would, how I would be received in this city in the central of Spain that, by the way, happened to be the birthplace of the Inquisition. And that's a whole nother story. But so I went and I spoke to this gathering in this uh, vaulted ceiling uh, cathedral type place to this group of, of 250 people. And at first I felt like they weren't too open to what I had to say, but then they loosened up. I felt like God was making a God connection. At the end, I gave an altar. 30 people came forward. I was praying for people. God was moving. People were crying. God was really at moving this uh, setting that was unusual for them and maybe for me as well. And when I finished, I was walking down the street, actually, with a friend, and, and I was a little bit tired and just thinking, wow, God, you really moved in that place. And I heard someone running down the street, running down the street, calling my, out my name in Spanish, Marcos, Marcos, Marcos. And so I turned around, and the guy was out of breath, and he said, I wanted you to pray for me before you leave. I said, what do you want me to pray for? He said, I have never heard the voice of God. And so I want you to pray that God would speak to me. I've been a believer and a follower of Jesus for a long time, but I've never heard the voice of God. So pray that God would speak to me. I looked at him in his eyes, in the sincere eyes he had, and I said, no, I'm not going to pray for you that. He was shocked. He said, why won't you pray for me? I said, I'm not going to pray that God would speak to you because I can't imagine a heavenly father that would be silent to a child. I'm going to pray that whatever is hindering you from hearing God's voice would be taken out of your life because I believe that God is speaking. The problem is you're not hearing. Aha. And I prayed for this uh, young man on the streets in Valladolid. And I'm wondering if some of you, that may be the same thing that's happening, is that God is speaking, but you haven't heard, not because God isn't speaking, but because you have not paused enough to listen to the whisper of God. Number three, and lastly, not only, not only do... Does the pause help open up our spiritual, examine our hearts and open up our spiritual eyes? Not only does it help us 
really pause enough to listen to the whisper of God. But lastly, the pause prepares us to embrace our next divine assignment with renewed faith. You see, after Elijah exited the cave, then God spoke to him. And he said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And then he gave him some more instructions. You see, I believe that after the pause, after the 40 days of fasting, after he had quieted his voice, examined his heart, listened to the whisper that God said, okay, I have a new assignment for you. I want you to obey. I want you to listen. And Elijah's new assignment involved three things. If you, you can read it in the passage, he gave him clarity in moving forward. Number one, it involved facing his past and stop, stopping the running. He said, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. I think that God told Elijah specifically the desert of Damascus because in the desert of Damascus is where Elijah had experienced suicidal thoughts and deep discouragement. It was Jezebel, the queen, that was threatening his life, and God was saying, go back from what you're running from. Listen, God said, go back to what you fear. Go back and face the issues that you have been running from. Oh, man, I know God's speaking to someone here about that. Stop running. Go back. The second thing that he told Elijah, release what is not yours to carry. Basically, what God told Elijah is you need to anoint Haziel, king over Aram. In other words, you need to delegate uh, political power. You need to anoint Jehu, son of Nishi, king over Israel, anoint two kings, and then anoint Elijah to, be, to succeed you as prophet. Anointing means that you give someone the authority and power to accomplish a task. He said, I want you to leave and I want you to anoint three people. What, he, what was he telling Elijah? He was telling Elijah, you're carrying tasks that I never asked you to carry. Release them. There, I'm reassigning you. You need to let go of things that I never called you to. You need to release things that I never asked you to carry. Some of you are burdened and overwhelmed right now because you're carrying things that God never asked you to carry. Go face your past. Release what is not yours to carry. And number three, open your eyes to God's battle plan. And in verse 18, God reminds Elijah, who thought that he was alone, he reminds them, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So he reminded him, hey, Elijah, you think you're alone? You think you're the only faithful person? Listen, I have an army of people that haven't compromised. You are not alone. Embrace your new assignment. So as we close this service, I'm calling, I'm inviting, along with our pastoral team, everyone at New Life, both here in Chicagoland and internationally, to join us for 21 days 
of fasting and prayer, as we consecrate ourselves to say, God, we want our church, we want our lives, we want our families, we want our hearts, we want our minds, we want our spirits and souls to pause, to hear you, to examine our heart, to give us our next assignment, to hear the whisper of you. We want to press into you during this time of fasting and prayer to believe you for extraordinary things in our city and in our nation. As you prepare for that, I'm going to close with a prayer of consecration. But as you prepare for that, some of you say, well, I'm new at fasting. You can go to newlifefasting.com, and we have a lot of information about fasting and just how to get started. But there are a couple of practical steps I'm calling you to determine your fasting plan in advance. Um, you can do a Daniel fast. You can do water fast, which is really intense, just drinking water. You could do a juice fast. Uh, you know, some of you uh, can't, you have physical jobs that you can't really just abstain or drink liquids. Whatever your plan is, determine in advance. It needs to be stretching. It, need, it needs to involve food. All biblical fasting involved food. You need to determine, set aside time to read scripture, let God speak to your heart, listen. You need to write down what God is telling you during this time. And you need to turn your hunger into prayer times. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. I'm gonna ask us to stand right now all over New Life, our different locations, wherever you're at. Would you stand with me? Okay. And if you... Uh, feel comfortable doing this. I'd like for you just to raise your hands to God at this time. Would you raise your hands to the Lord? Um, we're going to ask the worship teams to make their way forward as we close this time with a prayer of consecration. And afterwards, your pastor may have a few other words of instruction or we want, may want to pray for some people. But today, right now, we are consecrating our fast. It starts today after our service, and it will go for 21 days to the next Sunday. I believe it's Sunday the 28th. And we will fast and pray and seek God together. There's times of worship. Your pastor will tell you about that. Times of renewal, times of coming together. Uh, we have done some things regionally. We've done some things locally. Times where we come together to seek God. But at this moment in time, as you're standing, raise your hands before the Lord. I'd like to consecrate us right now. Father, as a church, we consecrate a holy fast before you. We commit ourselves, Father, to seek you. We abstain in one way or another from food in order to press in because we know that you are our bread from heaven. We need you, God, more desperately than ever before. God, there's requests that are heavy upon our heart. We're gonna pray, we're gonna seek you because we believe that you are our life. As a church, we humble ourselves during this time of fasting. We declare our strength is small, our abilities are weak. Our understanding is limited. And we acknowledge how much we need you, God. 
We call upon you together corporately that you would move amongst us, God, that you would bring a spiritual renewal, a revival to our churches, a harvest to our city, God, a renewal to our families, God. We pray that prodigals will come back to you, God, and the people that we have been praying for for a long time will come to know you, Jesus. We consecrate ourselves. We consecrate our church. And we step into this fast together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can remain standing. Our worship team is going to close this out. But I just want to echo what Pastor Marcus said. And just again, what we've already talked about before the message. To go into these next three weeks seeking the Lord. I think about the young man that he talked about asking him to pray, just, God, let me hear your voice. And I know many of us have been in that place. And one thing that always comes to my mind when I think about that, I heard a pastor say one time in a message, I was at a conference, and he said this. He said, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, read your Bible out loud. The reality is is that God has spoken to us through his word. And many times... A lot of the things that we're looking for God to say to us audibly, he has said to us through his word. He guides us in obedience. He guides us in holiness. He tells us the people that we should be. And so that's what this is about, is God, let us know you. Let us find you. Show us what it means to be your children and how to walk in life with you. And so we're going to pause together over these next three weeks and that God would move in this place. And so, God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for this church. We th- I, God, I love these people. I love being in this place. I am so grateful for this community. I pray that this would be a special time with you and be, be a special time because of you. God, I thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in this place. We worship you and we honor you. We come before you as a community to say that we want you, we seek you, we worship you. God, I pray you would make us aware of your presence. In your name we pray, amen. Let's close with this last song.